0: If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, as we're in the middle of this Advent season, Christmas is just a few days away. Anybody ready? How many of you have already completed all of your Christmas shopping? Let us see your hands. Okay, look around at the people you're jealous of, okay? (laughs) How many of you have not even started, but you feel the pressure and you work better under it? Let me see. We're praying for you. Yes, we are. Luke chapter 1, the title of this message today, I want you to write this down somewhere. We're calling this Bed, Bath, and Bethlehem. Bed, bath, and Bethlehem. We'll see if this makes sense somewhere here. We'll try to figure out why we're calling it Bed, bath, and Bethlehem in Luke chapter one. And I love the Christmas narrative. And we're going to start with verse forty-five, and I want to read to you about ten or eleven verses. But uh, you know, it's it's interesting to me how when you read the Christmas story, you see so many times. The angels would make an appearance. Anytime an angel would show up and and give a declaration or give a message from heaven, how many of you would love in the morning if every morning you woke up, an angel met you and declared the word of the Lord to you, gave you direct instruction from heaven? How many might be freaked out a little bit if you woke up and an angel was staring at you? You know, I, I love how in the Christmas story we see the angels showing up and making heaven's declaration over earth. And before I get to verse 45, give you a quick background to what we're reading. You know, the, the scripture tells us that the angel Gabriel showed up. In the temple, there was a, a high priest, in his, or there was a priest named Zechariah, and he was doing his work in the temple, and just so you have a little bit of context, and some of you know this already, but Zechariah was married to a lady named Elizabeth, and together they would be the parents of john the baptist okay jesus and john the baptist were cousins okay and so Zechariah is doing his priestly duties and gabriel shows up an angel of the lord makes an announcement and tells zachariah hey look zach i know elizabeth is old but she's pregnant now what we'll see in luke chapter one we'll see there's one woman who's barren another woman who's a virgin and both of them are pregnant my prayer for you is that God would give you pregnancy of possibility today. That God would plant something in you that may seem impossible to you, but how many of you know it's not impossible for God? So Gabriel says, hey, Zach, Liza is pregnant. Now, he doesn't believe, he just can't believe it. There's, there's, there's no way we've been married so long. I mean, there's no way her body can carry a child. And so, you know, the Bible says that, that he began to doubt word of the lord and so you know what the angel had to do the angel had to shut his mouth in fact i almost titled this message hush your mouth (laughs) turn your neighbor and say hush your mouth how many of you growing up your mama ever said hey listen you better hush your mouth because you are about to get in trouble has your mouth ever messed you up i'll tell you what zachariah's mouth was about to i'm gonna tell you this your mouth can mess up your destiny You see, the word of the Lord to Zechariah was, your wife Elizabeth is pregnant, and Zechariah couldn't believe it, so God had to say, ah, 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 you're going to be quiet. You're not going to talk for the next nine months. Oh, yeah. I think my family would appreciate that nine-month episode in my house if I couldn't talk. Because why Why did he close his mouth? Because if Zechariah would have kept on talking, he would have messed up what God was trying to do in him. Let me ask you this. How's your mouth? Is your mouth in agreement with what God's saying over you? Because if we don't agree with the word of the Lord in our lives, then potentially the blessing God's trying to bring to us gets halted. Are you with me? Same angel, now Gabriel, shows up to a young virgin named Mary. Most scholars say she's maybe 13, 14, 15 years old at best. And the angel says... Mary, you are blessed. You have found favor with God. You will conceive a son. You'll call his name Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins. And you know what Mary said? Mary said, be it unto me according to your word. Do you see that? The same angel spoke to two different people, and there were two different results. Mary didn't understand it, but you know what? She believed from her heart that what God said was true. Can I have a good amen? Let me, let me just, before we read this, the, the text, let me just encourage you. When it, becomes, when it comes to belief and experience, belief and experience, don't let your experience Drag down your level of belief. Let your belief pull up the level of your experience. And what you say with your words matters. Your words are containers of power. You may not understand everything God's trying to do, but if you'll take his word and you'll come into agreement with your with your words, you say, be it unto me according to your word. I love it. And in Luke 1, verse 45, perhaps one of my favorite verses. I want you to see this. You see this conversation between Mary and Elizabeth, okay? Mary's Mary's probably 13, 14, 15 years old. Elizabeth is in her 40s, maybe her 50s. Again, Elizabeth was barren. Mary was a virgin. Both of them were pregnant. And what we see is a conversation between two pregnant ladies. And they're just talk, 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 just talking over each other, just so excited. Girlfriend, I've had some cravings. Oh, I mean, I'm gonna tell you that the pita bread and pickle sandwich. Oh, I gotta have it every day. Oh, listen, I, I'm just, I'm so nauseated, baby. Look, if you take some peppermint oil, some peppermint oil, and put it right here on your belly button, come on, take a little bit to the roof of your mouth. It's gonna settle that nausea. Well, where should I register for this child? How about Bed Bath and Bethlehem? <laughs> Saw what I did there. I mean, you can just imagine the conversation between these two pregnant ladies. And out of it, now that's kind of my, my um, um, evangelistic interpretation here. But we'll bring it to verse 45. Look at what Elizabeth tells Mary. Elizabeth says, Mary, you are blessed. Somebody say blessed. You are blessed because you have what? Believed that the Lord would do what he said he would. Now, I want you to see here right off the bat that there's a divine connection between blessing and believing. Come on, how many of you want the blessing? You can't receive the blessing without some believing. Why was Mary blessed? Again, the word through Elizabeth was hey, Mary, you are blessed because you have believed that the Lord would do everything he said he would. You know, the blessing that we long to walk in is connected to our believing, not necessarily our understanding. Come on, help me this morning. Blessing is not necessarily connected to our understanding, but connected to our believing. Now, the Scripture tells us that when Mary walked into the room and was in Elizabeth's presence, you know, she was pregnant with John the Baptist, what was happening in her stomach? Whenever Mary walked into the room, Bible says that the baby leaped inside of Elizabeth. Now, who was that baby? John the Baptist. Come on, if you're Baptist in here, it's okay to leap. All the Baptists, it's okay for you to dance in the presence of the Lord. Can I have a good amen? amen? Now, out of this, that's verse 45. Mary, you are blessed because you have believed that God would do everything he said he would. Would Let me just stop right here and say this. Not one word from the Lord ever falls idly to the ground. Whatever God has spoken to you, if he says it, he will do it. And if he's spoken it, the Bible says he will make it good. Now, how do we receive that blessing? It comes through believing. Now, this is the the, the next few verses are called the Magnificat. Okay? The Magnificent. Some of you that maybe came from a Catholic background, this is a very familiar passage to you. You understand this. You've read this. The the word Magnificent is a Latin word that literally means praise. It, It means to magnify. And it's almost as if Mary broke out into song. Here is the song of Mary based on the announcement Of the angel. That's why we sang today, Be born in me. This is the biblical passage of that. I want you to read with me her song together. It really speaks to us four things that God gives us. There are four things out of this song that God gives us. And the first one is this if you're taking notes, write down the phrase, Unspeakable Joy. Somebody say, Joy. Verse 46 Mary responded, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. What's praising the Lord here? My soul, she said. Now, she's speaking to something on the inside of her. She says, oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Somebody say rejoice. Can I tell you something? To rejoice is a choice. Joy is not based on happenings. It's not based on circumstances. It's not based on a situation or an event. Joy is based on what's going on inside of a person. She says, oh, how my soul rejoices in God my Savior. Now, l- let me bring this from the biblical text to the modern world. Because sometimes we read the Christmas narrative and it's, it's easy for us to be detached but I want to bring it into the world in which we live. Consider Mary's circumstances. Okay, let's look at what was happening around her. When Gabriel says, you will will conceive, you are pregnant with a child, his name will be called Jesus. Now, if you're 13, 14, 15 years old, okay, she was engaged to a young man named Joseph. They weren't married. There was no physical intimacy between the two. And yet the angel says, you're pregnant. And she's saying, how am I pregnant? And the angel says, by the power of the Holy Ghost. If you're that little teenage girl, you've got be thinking, the holy who? Right? Now, if Gabriel's talking to, to us, uh, put, put yourself in Mary's sandals just for a second. Can we do that? Okay. The angel of the Lord, Gabriel says, you're pregnant by the Holy Ghost. You're going to have a child. His name will be called Jesus. I'd be like, okay, Gabe, listen, don't leave. I need you to come with me to my parents' house. <laughs> right? And you're going to tell them everything that you just told me. Okay? She's a teenager. She's not married. She's pregnant. Well, wait, Gabriel, don't leave yet. You can't, you can't just drop this announcement on me and not help me explain this. Who in the world is going to believe me? Right? Her parents, how many think that's a that's a that's a a hard story to believe? Yeah, her parents are not gonna believe her. Joseph, you think her fiance is gonna believe her? Oh, wow, wow, wow. You see, now this is not just some stained glass story that fits good in the Bible. Let's bring it to where we live. The greatest news the world would ever hear was the announcement of this angel to Mary, but in that moment. Her world was turned upside down. I'm telling you, total chaos. Her nice, neat, ordered world was wrecked by this announcement. In fact, in her day, according to Old Testament law, if she's pregnant outside of wedlock, she's guilty and must be condemned by stoning. She had to face judgment based on what was. Now, she's innocent in all of this, and with the threat of what's happening around her. Interesting to me how she says, my soul rejoices in the Lord. Guess what? Rejoicing is not based on your circumstances. It's based on your soul. It has nothing to do with what's happening around you. It has everything to do with what's going on inside of you. Can I have a better amen? And I know in the holiday season, there's so much busyness. There's, there's parties and, and gifts, and, man, there's places we have to go and things we have to acquire and schedules to be set and meals to be prepared. With everything happening around us, I pray that we don't lose the joy that God's placed inside of us. The Bible says the first thing she recognized that God gave her was unspeakable joy. You know, if you're going to enjoy life, You're gonna have to do it on purpose. Can I say that again? If you're gonna rejoice in life, you're gonna have to do it in spite of some things, in spite of some people. Come on, talk to me. In spite of certain situations and environments. You know, I've made a decision several years ago that nobody was gonna out happy me. Ain't gonna happen. Everybody in here, you may be happy, but you're all fighting for second place. Because I will be the happiest person in this church. I'm going to be, nobody's going to out-happy the pastor. Nobody's going to be happier than me in my house. What would happen? What would your world look like if you made a decision today? You're going to be the happiest person at your job. You're going to walk in on Monday morning. Come on now. Come on now. Man, there's going to be a song in your heart. There's going to be a spring in your step because you've made a decision that joy has nothing to do with what's going on around you. It has everything to do with what God has already done inside of you. You see, this joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me. The world can't take it from me. I don't know, regardless of what's happening in politics, regardless of what's happening with the stock market, come on somebody regardless of what the the news reports around the world may say, I know that my God is inside of me, and the joy that he's given to me, it didn't come from anything in this world. You need to make a decision today that nobody's going to out-happy you. In fact, I, I, I challenge you, on your way home, get together with your family and ask them, am I fun to hang out with? Uh-oh. Yeah, some of you have got a little nervous laughter because you know how that's going to play out. Ask the people who know you the best. You enjoy hanging with me. Well, do I bring joy into Ask your kids. They'll tell you. You know, I read a statistic a while back that said that kids on the average laugh 146 times a day. 146. <laughs> they just laugh at anything and everything. They're constantly laughing. You know, on the average, how many times a, an adult will laugh per day? Four. Kids laugh 146, adults laugh four. And for some of you, that four is a stretch. <laughs> you know, when you're a child, everything in your wor- world is up. You know, I mean, it's all up, it's all exciting. Hey, wait up, hold up, slow up, shut up. Mama, can I stay up? Daddy, I'll clean up. When you're a kid, everything is up. But when you're an adult, everything is down. Hey, slow down. Calm down. Come down here. Sit down. Put that down. Ah. Man, what, what is it? What's happened? Over the years, we've lost the power, the spark, the life, the energy that we once had. We've grown older, and we've lost the art of joy and celebration. Mary says, my soul rejoices. In other words, my circumstance, I'm not hanging my happiness on the hook of what's happening. Oh, come on, man. Somebody needs to tweet somebody right there. I'm not hanging my happiness on the hook of what's happening. Because of what God has done for me, it's greater than what anybody has done to me. See, you... Are responsible for your face. Uh oh. Do you know that in your face you have certain muscles? Studies show that it takes 69 muscles to frown and it only takes 13 muscles to smile. You see, you got to work harder at being a Grinch than you do just to be happy. Decide today. In fact, I told this to the early service. You know, one of my closest friends, one of our pastors here on staff, Johnny Green. I love Johnny, baby blue eyes, Green. He's he's one of my closest friends. Come on, put your hands together for Johnny. And he made a statement the other day that wrecked me. I mean, because many of you know the context, you know his, his family situation. We've been praying for Roxanne back in 2012. His wife was diagnosed with ALS. And so for the last six years, I mean, barring a miracle, she's desperately in need of a miracle. But they live in the context of that each and every day. They've got four small boys, and they're playing football. They're wrestling. They're playing basketball. He's uber-dad all over the place, tending to his wife. He's on staff at a very influential, dynamic church with a ton of responsibilities. And you know what he said the other day? He said, Mike, I've realized this, that I have to make the life I want with the life that I have. You know how powerful that is? I've made a decision. I'm not trying, because see, we'll we'll look through Instagram or or, or Facebook. We'll look at social media, and we say, man, I want their life. I wish I had what they had. I want his situation or her circumstances. I want to be somebody else. He said, Mike, no, no, no. I've learned that I've got to make the life that I want with the life that I have. You see, Johnny realizes that there is a thing called unspeakable joy, and it starts inside of you. You know, this past weekend was one of my favorite weekends, being pastor of this church. I want you to know I am so proud of you and what God is doing in you and through you. Speaking of joy, we had Friday night and Saturday night, two days to bring hilarious joy to North Baton Rouge. At our North Baton Rouge campus, at our Dream Center, we did a thing called Christmas Clubhouse. And I want to tell you, I've never seen such joy and such laughter. They're going to show you some pictures of this Christmas clubhouse, what we were able to do. We had so much fun going into the inner city, celebrating with kids. I mean, look, I mean, the happiest elves on the planet are members of HPC. You know, we, we, we did this thing called Christmas Clubhouse where we played games with the kids. Uh, we had an escape room. We had a room with arts and crafts. I mean, we, we played music. There was a light show. They had like a scavenger hunt. They're collecting stickers, and, man, they're getting prizes. Every family that came, over 1,100 people, come on, somebody, over 1,100 people came to the Christmas Clubhouse, and every family walked away with groceries. Every family walked away with resources. These kids came running in. Johnny told me, one little girl, she was in a clubhouse and having fun, and she saw her friends come in, and she screamed with laughter, and she says, this is my church. This is my church. She was so happy that her friends came to her church and were able to share in her joy. Do you know when you're full of joy, it can't help but spill out on the world around you? There was one volunteer that said two little boys just came and ran and, and, and grabbed a hold of her legs and just screamed, I'm having so much fun. You know, in a part of our community that struggles to find joy, you and I have the responsibility to take what God has given us and plant it in a part of our community. Mary says, my soul does magnify the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Look what it says in verse 48. For he took notice. He took notice of his lowly servant girl, and from now on, all generations will call me what? Blessed. For the mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. Not only did she recognize that God gives unspeakable joy, but number two, he gives undeserving grace. Aren't you thankful for the grace of God? The Bible says she recognized that God took notice of this lowly servant girl. You see, Mary was a poor, peasant, Jewish teenager. She was a, 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 she was a nobody girl in a nowhere where town, but yet God looked down from heaven and saw her. Can I tell you this? God notices what other people miss. Some of you wonder if God sees you, if God knows your situation. Maybe you've been working, serving, sacrificing, trying to do the right thing, and you're not seeing a lot of results, and you're wondering, God, do you know that I'm here? I'm here to tell you today, God notices you. And when God pays attention to you, something special happens. You see, this little obscure teenage girl, out of nowhere, out of nothing, is now one of the most prominent biblical figures in human history. God saw her in her lowliness and lifted her to a level that no man could take her. See, God sees you in your situation, and he, he wants you to trust him. He wants you to, to, to completely surrender to him, and in his timing, he will bring you to that place and position that you long to be. Only the grace of God can do that. That's grace. You know what grace is? Grace is the strength of God coming to you, helping you to do what you could never do on your own. That's grace. How many of you are thankful for grace? It's only by the grace of God. Notice what she says here. that He took notice of this lowly servant girl, and he has done great things for me. Let me ask you this question. Has God done great things for you? What has God done for you? I think it's important that you recognize that and that you tell of the goodness of the Lord in your life. You know, back in the day, I grew up in the Midwest in a small little country town. In fact, we had more cows than people. I'm telling you, it was one of, in the middle of nowhere, in this little country church. And on Sunday nights, now this is back in the day when we went to church. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Went to youth service, went to the prayer meeting, went to choir practice. Come on, anybody remember those days? Yeah, I tell people all the time, I grew up with a drug problem. My mama drug us to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, the prayer, dragging us to church. And on Sunday nights, we would have what was called a service to testify. Come on, somebody say testify. Where we would speak of what the Lord has done, and it was kind of like open mic, open mic. And Sister Nellie, Sister Nellie Edmonds, she would testify every Sunday night, and she would share the. I could tell you what she was going to thank God for. I knew it, and she would always cry. She would always break down and cry. I'm thinking, man, why is she crying in church? <laughs> Sister Nellie, I know you're looking down from heaven right now. This is part of your doing, okay? Yeah, I'm crying like a baby all the day. And she would share what the Lord has done for her. And man, I'm telling you what, there was something about rehearsing the goodness of God. Her testimony began to build our faith. In fact, we start singing songs like, look what the Lord has done. Look what, how many sing that song before? Oh, yeah. He healed my body. He touched my mind. He saved me just in time. Oh, come on. And we start dancing. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> well, maybe not all that. We weren't doing that back in the day. We'd break out those songs and man, we'd like a helicopter doing the Heisman and man, running all over the church. What were we talking about? The goodness of God. The grace of God. You know, it's it's His grace that's sufficient for us. It's His strength that's made perfect in our weakness. And Mary rejoiced in her soul, not based on her circumstances, but she knew what God was doing in her. And so she thanked Him for His grace resting upon her. I'm praying the grace of God will bring you exactly where you need to be. You know what? God blesses you, not because of you but sometimes in spite of you. How many know what I'm talking about? You see, God's good, not because and his goodness rests upon us, not because we're good, but because he is. And Mary recognizes, he notices this lowly servant girl, for he has done great things for me. Now look at what it says in verse 51. His mighty arm, somebody say his mighty arm. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. What is he doing with his arm? He's scattering the proud and the haughty ones. And he's brought down the high and mighty princes from their thrones. But he's exalted the humble. He has filled every hungry heart with good things. And he sent away the rich with empty hands. In this, we see the unbiased justice of God. That God is just. Can I have a good amen? How many of you are thankful for the justice of God? We live in a world where we we see so many things that are wrong, so many things that just don't make sense. Sometimes we watch the news. We see what's happening around the world, and we say, Lord, come on, do you see this? Do you see the corruption? Do you see the deceit? Do you see the lies? Why are the wicked always seeming to advance? Lord, take up the cause of the righteous. Come on, am I talking to anybody? Lord, when will you come and and make those wrong things right? And the Bible says she recognized the mighty arm of the Lord. Can I tell you two things about God's mighty arm? Number one, it's not short. And number two, it's not weak. But there's coming a day when his long, strong arm is going to reach down from heaven. And it's going to take those things that are wrong and make them right. The strength of his mighty arm. You know, Trevor, my son is 11 years old, and he's kind of hitting those preteen years. And he's kind of, you know, I, I think he pointed out the other day, Dad, I got two hairs under my armpit. Come check this out. He's so proud of that. I'm like, whoa, turn that light on. Baby, go give me my glasses. I'm trying to, you know, he's starting to work out a little bit. It's funny because he'll walk around the house with no shirt. And he's got this little chain around his neck, got a little cross, you know. Just get out the shower, and he's got a pair of shorts on. No shirt. Couldn't find his shirt. And, you know, we got some mirrors, and he kind of walks slow by a mirror. Mm, mm, mm. And you know what he's starting to do? He's coming up to me, and some of you that got young boys too, you see see this. You know what I'm about to say. And he kind of bows up on me, and he says this. He's like, Dad, fight me. I promise. He does this right here. He says, Fight me. And he's like bowing up on me. And I mean, I'm like, okay, son, I know you're getting a little bump right here. You know, I see a little curvature, and yeah, that's, but don't forget who you're talking to. You're talking to the bishop, (laughs) known as the bishop of biceps. Come on. And I tell him this, I tell him, I mess with him, because he start bowing up on me like, hey, man, you're 11 years old, you're 95 pounds. Dude, 200 plus pounds of raw muscle right here. <laughs> I don't know if that's true, I just kind of made that up. I said, son, look look, 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 at, look, at this arm right here, I want you to look at this arm. With one arm, I can take you with one arm. Put me in whatever position, whatever, whatever you think you have the advantage of, and with one arm, I can take you. And so he'll, and I'm calling his bluff now because he fight me. And uh, so, okay, dad. And so we get in this position. I said, right, okay, you, dad, do you have me? T- tell me when you're ready. Okay, I got you. And in like two seconds, like. Poof. He's like, mama, tell him to quit. Now, how many you know the clock's ticking? There's only so many more days I can do that, you know. But right now, I can do it. So through intimidation, I'm going to let him know I can always do it. But you think about it. God only needs one arm. Just, just, if you'll just believe him, let him put one arm into this thing. He doesn't need his whole body. In fact, I'll tell you this. He doesn't, doesn't even need his arm. You give him just a little, little finger. The Bible says that the strength of God can take wrong things and make them Right? And if you'll trust that long arm, I'm telling you, it's not short and it's not weak. With just one arm, he can pin the devil in your life. Now listen, you may think all this stuff is stronger than you and it is, but guess what? It's not stronger than God. Mary recognized this this unspeakable joy, this undeserving grace, this unbiased justice. Let me just say this too before I wrap this up. Because I know we enter into the holidays and sometimes when it comes to family gatherings, there's a tendency to rehearse the pain of the past. Holidays can bring out a lot of past hurt. And maybe some of you feel wounded by some things that have been said and done in your family. Maybe Christmas is a painful reminder of the injustice in your life. If you will lay down your need for vengeance, hear me, church, the Bible says, vengeance is the Lord's. It doesn't belong to you. If you'll surrender your need to be right, he will with his long arm reach down and take up your situation, and he'll give you justice. Does that help anybody today? Now, let me wrap this up. I want to ask the band to come up here. and Let me, let me put, a, put a bow on this message. She finishes this song by saying, God has helped. Look, verse 54. God has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful for he made this promise somebody say promise for he made this promise to our ancestors to Abraham and his children forever you see she finishes this song by declaring God's unending faithfulness he made this promise to our ancestors to Abraham and his children forever if you go back and you look at the song of Mary the magnifica You'll notice that in a few short verses, she makes 13 references to the Old Testament. This girl, she knew the Word of God. She knew the law of Moses. And think about it from the time of the end of the Old Testament to the very beginning of the New Testament, from Malachi to Matthew, there are 400 years of silence. 400. The prophets of old had prophesied. One day there's coming a Savior. Isaiah talked about it. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. For unto us a son is given. Unto us a child is born. The prophets of old had declared that one day there was coming a Messiah. Four hundred years of silence. And the angel of the Lord showed up and broke that silence to a young virgin girl named Mary. And Mary realized the promise that you gave to our ancestors you have not forgotten. And hear me church I want you to know this. The word that God has promised to you He has not forgotten. Though it may be delayed, watch this delay is not denial. Delay is not denial. Maybe you've given up on it God's saying no, 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 no. I am faithful i am faithful unending faithfulness it, rachel spoke this to to our staff on thursday i thought this was powerful because we're nearing the end of the year we've got a couple of weeks left and 2018 is gone she reminded us that when we pray our prayers have no expiration date now this year's almost over and we'll turn the page of a calendar but the prayers that you've prayed have no expiration date. And guess what? The promises God has made has no expiration date. Maybe what you started 2018 believing God for, you've not seen any movement, no activity. It's, it's not, man, I, there's no direction or sense of motion. or Man, I, I, there's no sign. God, do you see that I'm still here? Guess what? God's promises, they are yes and they are amen for those who are in Christ Jesus. Not a prayer that you prayed or a promise God has made has an expiration date. Do you receive that today? Thank you for listening. For more information about Healing Place Church, go to healingplacechurch.org or give us a call at 225-753-2273.